Welcome to episode number 77. This is Sheldon Grant from Panoramic Outdoors. We got an awesome guest. I say this every time, but this time I actually mean it. Uh, Matt Hendricks. He's a 15-year pro in the NHL. Played for Colorado, Edmonton, Washington, Winnipeg, Minnesota. Uh, he was drafted in the 2000 um, entry draft, 131st overall. So stay tuned for Matt Hendricks. It was a wicked episode. We um, we talked, you know, a bit about hockey, a bit about the outdoors, and how everything kind of intertwines together. But before we start getting going here, I better introduce the other two fellas that are right alongside with me. Tristan, looks like you're uh, a little tired. Is the dog in the dog keeping you busy right now, or what? The dog, the the family life, and uh, renovations. Let me tell you, do not try to mix all three of those at once because. You will lose some sleep and and not get it back. <laughs> and of course, we got the Sasquatch of the group, Chase Drylick over in St. Andrews. Looks like you're in a like a skyscraper or something right now. Yeah, I don't know what's what's going on with my background. I got something set up here. So, uh, did you see that thing on Zoom it. when that when that lawyer had that like cat face? I am yeah, not, I I am get not a cat. Oh, <laughs> that's great. That's good stuff. Um, I'm curious here, fellas, uh, how big was Sheldon's chubby throughout this episode? Could you see it on camera? I don't know, but that, that, that's to be expected. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that the entire time Tr- Tristan had a smile on his face the entire time. It was fun. Though. Yeah, it was, like, fun. It was, it was good was to chat with someone like that. So, yeah, uh, I know Matt had, a even mentioned in the podcast that by the time he kind of joined the Winnipeg crew here, um, he was maybe kind of towards the end of his career and, he, um, I think there was some common knowledge that he was brought in to be kind of like a locker room guy in some ways. And that it was abundantly clear to me why he would have that role in some ways. He's just such an easy guy to talk to instantly relatable. Um, and it sounds like what his role now with the Minnesota wild, there's uh you know, kind of the player development aspect. It's just, uh, so clear to me that he would excel at something like that because he's seems like he's all about relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing, the thing about that too, that I really enjoyed is like, he was like, I believe he was like assistant captain there in Edmonton. I believe he was a captain for one of the world teams when they won bronze. Well, quite a few years ago, obviously now, but he's just like that, that lunch pail type hockey player. You know, he goes to work every day. He checks in, does his, does what he needs to do to stay in the lineup or did, do what he needed to do for for a very healthy career in the National League. And you can tell that just uh, the way he talks and the way he takes his uh, hunting now, fishing, scouting and stuff um, in, into consideration. Like he puts, he's putting in a lot of work by the sounds of it. So, yeah, super cool guy. I'm pretty pumped for this uh, episode to launch here. Sweet, sweet fellas. Um, what uh, Besides the podcast episode, what else have you guys been up to? It's uh, we're kind of rolling into spring here, you know, fishing starting to pick back up. It's getting a little bit warmer out. We've had a few like above freezing days now. Sheldon, you just got a dump of snow your way. From yeah, we got a little bit of snow. Yeah, and uh, we got a couple. We're just coming up on the cusp of a couple hunting seasons here, actually. Yeah, before we start hunting, last weekend I actually went for a walk. Um, into the bush there. I was kind of looking for sheds, but at the same time, I didn't really want to pressure the deer too much. So I was kind of just doing like field edge and like in the fields and stuff. I was actually wearing, we got dry shod boots. 
So I've been wearing those walking around. I think I put on probably close to four miles, maybe five miles that morning. And I wore those boots the entire time, like no issues, still comfortable, still dry. Uh, I, I, I recommend these boots like to anybody that's going to put miles on them uh, and want to keep their feet dry. That's for sure. But yeah, I didn't find any sheds. Um, but next weekend, I'm planning to go to Lake Winnipeg. Hopefully one of you guys can uh, meet me meet me there. I'm going to bring the uh, Citizen Canvas tent and the stove, and I'm going to stay the night out there. So that's kind of my plan for next weekend for another, maybe might be one last kind of fishing trip for me. Um, hopefully as long as the ice stays around, maybe there could be a few more, but that's going to be one of my bigger ones. Nice, nice. Tristan, what about you? I got to ask Sheldon about the, the ice fishing trip here because uh, I was just made aware of it, but – are you gonna punch <laughs> punch holes right in the tent, or what's the you gonna cut a couple holes in the floor, or what? Yeah, well, like the tent actually has a removable zippered floor, so we can we can just basically set up the outside shell, and then yeah, the, and just use the ice as a floor kind of idea. So I think that'll be super super wicked. I know a lot of guys that go to like uh, up to Clearwater and they set up prospectors tents and they yeah. they fish all night for Lakers and stuff. So it's going to be kind of the same idea. Like there'll be no floor, but you'll still be up off the off the ice with your cots or whatever to sleep. So Are you- I think I think if if it's done strategically, um, you know, you can you can get some good cover on that floor, like guys do with their pop up ice shacks, and put the the foam mats down. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And I have like a a big foam mat here that I could use, and like if you get a couple of those. Uh, click together squares and i think that just helps just keeping your feet warm and keeping the water off everything when it warms up in there yeah for sure the i seen a cool thing on tiktok maybe people are using this before but this uh some fisherman or some angler i guess was like fishing in an ice castle or like one of those trailers and what he did is he took like a big rubbermaid and then cut a hole in the corner of the rubbermaid and then put his auger through it and then would you know, cut his hole and all the ice would come into the Rubbermaid and then he just picked it up, threw it outside. And I'm like, man, is that ever a smart idea? I never thought of that. Have you guys seen anything like that before? I seen one guy, he, uh, he made some sort of, uh, it's gotta be almost the same thing where, where the guy's like augering down this pipe almost. And it's, it's got a, a hole in the one side and the, it just shoots all the snow out of the one side into a bin. Oh yeah. And then it's, that's how he, cleans out the hole in the, inside the shack i've always wondered if there's been a way to like there's got to be a way to ream out the bottom of your holes after you punch through you know what i mean so you get like a almost like a clean like a taper like a taper yeah so like the fish if the fish want to take a wild run or even just getting that fish up through the hole would make it a little bit easier you know what i mean especially for like a big fish like a lake trout yeah right but I don't know. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, besides the uh, ice camping curiosity, what what else uh, you you been up to, Tristan? Not too much. Been busy with the the home life. But the the one thing I am excited about, and I was actually texting Dell quite a bit about it today. Me and him were going back and forth. Um, we got some plants going here at the house already. So we got like a bunch of herbs started um basil's doing real well already and then got some of my peppers and tomatoes in that are going to take a little longer so the growing season has begun even though that there's still what like six inches of snow on the ground or so but it's an exciting time of year 
Nice, nice. That is exciting. That means, uh, yeah, we'll still be a few months away from uh, reaping any benefits from most of that, but uh, it's always exciting to get stuff in the ground. Speaking of benefits, I got to say something here about uh, your guys' sausage that you guys made. I don't know, Tristan, if you were a part of it or not, but Chase, you served it in the shack last weekend. It was like a ma- hot maple. I don't know what what brat. that What did you call that one? That was a maple jalapeno brat. Yeah, man, those were absolutely delicious. And I can't always give you guys shit that you make your sausages way too hot all the time. But like that one, <clears throat> I think you guys like you guys hit it perfectly. Match it with some cheese, and it was it was like perfect for a guy that's a puss like I am when it comes to heat. It was it was like kind of my max. It was really good, really well done. So good for you guys. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that one was actually we smoked in the in the pit barrel too. So it was uh, had the the whole flavor trifecta there. We, I, I ended up smoking a, a few of them because I had some room to, uh, with my pepperoni that's stick in there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, that sounds kind of stupid, but, um, I just want to try out some, some of the, some of the brats in there. And usually we don't smoke them and they don't have any cure in them or anything. So we smoked them, cooked them and then froze them. And then we rewarmed them in the ice shack there in the pan and they turned out awesome. And, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, man, the pit barrel has been like this, this unreal tool that we've been using. And obviously if you guys listen to the podcast, you know we're big fans of it, and you know Pit Barrel Barbecues, Pit Barrel Cookers are big supporters of this podcast, and uh, we're super excited to to have them as a supporter, and big thanks to them, and uh, we use it for everything. Like I said, we've been smoking sausage in there, we've cooked ribs in there, I've cooked, I'm going to do a pulled wild boar recipe here coming up soon, and going to be filming that and giving you the full review of the Pit Barrel Barbecue here, because we've been using it for pretty much a year now. And uh, we also did like uh, minus 30 cook on it on the ice while we're ice fishing. So this thing has no limits. And uh, thanks again to Pit Barrel Cookers. If you guys are interested in picking up one of these Pit Barrel Cookers and stepping up your flavor game on your barbecue, I'd highly recommend it. Go to pitbarrelcookers.com and uh, you get free shipping anywhere in the States. And if you're in Canada... Uh, check out their map on there. They have all their locations that you can pick up a pit barrel in Canada. Find one near you. Go grab it. You will, will not be disappointed. Now, to my favorite part of the episode, Two Truths and a Lie by Tristan. Let's hear it. I knew it was going to be your favorite right off the hop. And uh, <laughs> so, and I, I think Chase should be excluded from get into gas because he knows all my stories already <laughs> well whatever yeah let's try it out okay the first story is the story of my first goose and i was out hunting with my dad and i can't remember if chase was there or not so maybe maybe you'd be perfect for this session actually now that i think about it and uh <clears throat> we had scouted a field right next to like our our school which is kind of funny, uh, rural living. And we were still setting up the decoys in the morning and we were maybe not as like active into hunting as we are now. So like we were maybe a little late on the decoy setup and, and a single lone goose came into the spread like they do 
early in the morning and sat there and just kind of looked at us. And I'd been practicing with a 20 gauge leading into this, a single shot 20 gauge, because that's how we'd roll. And I brought up the 20 gauge. Dad was like, go shoot this thing. So I bring up the 20 gauge and it's just kind of looking at me. And uh, I can imagine what I look like with this like long single sh single shot gun. I go to squeeze a trigger and the four stock falls off of this thing. And then my whole gun falls apart on me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm devastated because I, I like, not only do I think my HUD's over, I was like, that was supposed to be my, my goose. And uh, we were hunting with one of our neighbors from uh, down the road. And he hands me his 12 gauge at that point in time. And I didn't know what to think. I was like, oh man, this thing's going to kill me. And dad's like, well, just try it. Like, that's how we trained back in the day too. And uh, I squeezed and it wasn't even any worse than the, the that rickety 20 gauge that I was shooting. And uh, that goose dropped on the spot. So that was the, the story number one, story of my first goose. 20 gauge fell apart. Didn't go 20. Didn't go 20. And uh, so second story here is uh, when I was up in deer camp, uh, well, I shouldn't say the only time I've been lost, but um, <laughs> <laughs> this one was getting a little extreme. So we had gone on an early morning hunt, and by the time we get back to camp, normally we have a bit of a lunch and then head out for our afternoon hunt. And I wanted to pack a little lighter, so I left you know, most of my central gear, I shouldn't say central gear at home, but like I was normally carry like an extra compass with me and a GPS, yada, 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 whatever. It's fine. I'm hunting the backfield at camp. Not a big deal. Um, I know where I am. Well, I had shot at a doe that had come out. This is like prior to like all the, uh, antler lists and uh, whatnot restrictions coming in and I'd shot at this doe and I was quite confident that I had hit it um, it was a bit of a far shot but um, so I started tracking and couldn't find any blood so I pushed a little farther into the bush and I, I thought I was following this doe's tracks like it was kind of like panicked where he was kicking up mud and I went a little deeper and still couldn't find any blood so by the time i kind of got my wherewithal like I, I went to turn on my headlamp that was out of juice went to turn on my gps that was out of juice so by the time like all these things kind of came together like i was kind of up in the hills of the duck mountains turned around and didn't exactly know where i was so i probably spent and now i'm thinking like how am i gonna get out of here like i don't know which direction i'm going there wasn't snow on the ground at the time, so you couldn't like really like trace your tracks back. Um, and like there was no real sounds. So luckily our friend's buddy, our dad there, um, lands up firing off three shots at camp because he's worried about me at this point in time because I've normally reported back for whiskey duty by now. Um, and I was able to, <laughs> to echolocate like a bat back to camp off those three shots. So. Um, I, I was glad he did that and, uh, there wasn't reception up there at the time either. So I was glad that we kind of got out of that situation. And then the last story I got for you is about me being famous on the cover of the fishing rigs in Manitoba here. 
So we had one, Chase and I were in a youth fishing tournament, and I think there was one that went around the province um, that year. And we had one that year because we fished a red, and the way you racked up points was by catching a wide range of species and kind of like 39 hours. So we were able to like just catch just all kinds of species all over the place. And uh, we had a bunch of other people on our team, so that was kind of cool too. Anyways, I go fishing next spring with this guy for cats. My first time out cat fishing. Um, name was Jim Dandy. I guess he had some connections at Travel Manitoba or whatnot. I wound up catching this master cat. Didn't know how to hold it up because it was so big at that point in time and like slimy and powerful. But there I am. You can still see. I was like it's like 1999 or like 2000 or something. I wore this ridiculous yellow hat. Um, and you can see my scrawny, scrawny arms with a mitt holding up this big uh, channel cat in the corner of the, the fishing rigs. So um, I was pretty surprised to see that. But yeah, so that's uh, one of those is a lie, Sheldon. So the first one's goose, uh, goose, then yeah. the lost story, and then the reg story. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I'm just going to have to go with uh, the lost story just because your goose story had a lot of detail and the reg story... There's proof probably somewhere. You got it right, man. Nice. One for one. Are you cop? Uh, uh, you have to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping he was going to get that one. <laughs> well, I was, and in my mind, a couple of those stories were kind of shady. Like, uh, <laughs> not, not clear in my mind. But I was like, oh, man, somebody's dusting off a rifle after dark doesn't sound like a good story to share (laughs) hey man you got to do what you got to do i know you know you you read and hear a lot of those stories that's a good tactic actually is uh is doing that yeah we've uh we've communicated that before when uh you know before the days of cell phones and before the days of our radios that uh yeah if you get a deer over there crack off three rounds and i'll come find you (laughs) <laughs> i'm pretty sure three three of anything is supposed to be the the international sign of distress though isn't it yeah 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 so but sometimes three bullets is only the amount of bullets my clip holds so yeah after giving a volley out to a, a running jumper i might have to toss in a fourth just so no one sends a search party the, uh, the all clear round yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, um I, I'm I'm kind of curious what what you guys' plans are for spring here. You know, spring's always a a big uh, kind of change in the seasons here, uh, especially in the ice fishing world because generally the ice access picks up and the fishing generally picks up in the spring. Um, do you guys have any plans to to take advantage of any of that or any big trips coming up? What are you guys thinking? I just might hit uh, Lake Winnipeg a few times here. I know it's supposed to get hot, like March Madness kind of style. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. But that being said, we were supposed to fix the quad by now, and uh, that hasn't been done. So um, March Madness might be a little delayed this year. We'll see what the, what the access is like on Lake Winnipeg as things start to melt here. How about you, Sheldon? Yeah, like... I don't know if there's not, I don't have anything on the books for now, but like, uh, yeah, I want to use that tent quite a bit, like just to go camping. So 
if I could like kind of put one and two together and go camping and fishing at the same time. I have talked to a few people about going up to the ducks and trying up there. Um, and I believe, I, I don't know the actual rules, I'd have to look them up, but you can still fish trout lakes, stock trout lakes after the season's closed. So that might be some opportunities to go and do, go and do that. And yeah, other than that, um, uh, other than fishing, I'm looking forward to, you know, the spring uh, turkey hunt. And yeah, I'm looking forward to spring. I'm just about done with winter, so. Yeah, right on. I I agree, man. It's uh, you get a big uh, mood swing when that when that warm sun comes out and hits you in the spring, and it, things get above zero and snow st- starts to melt. Um, on my end, I don't think I'm kind of same as Tristan. Probably gonna hit the March Madness on uh, Lake Winnipeg. Uh, don't have any real plans to go trout fishing. I know things. The ice is pretty thin over like crossing Point de Bois there to get over to George and Forbes. So um, I don't know if I want to roll the dice head out there to go chase a couple small trout. And I don't know if I have the, the, uh, the child care lined up to go up to uh, Clearwater unless I take toss the boys in the truck and head up there with them. So um, hopefully just get on some, some monsters on Lake Winnipeg, ideally. And then, uh, yeah, same thing, get into some spring turkey. I'd like to try and get some spring, spring, a uh, couple spring geese in here. If I could put a couple of them in the freezer, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be sweet. But because this is a hockey podcast, Tristan, how are, I'm not following, but how are the Winnipeg Jets doing? They're doing, uh, they're in third place, I believe, still, or are they not? You yeah, know, they're in a bit of a heater. Pierre Luc Dubois comes in and, uh, starts putting up some points after being off injured for a while. And, Nick Ehlers still rolling hot. Mark Shifley on a point streak. And uh, Patrick Laine has been kind of cold out over in Columbus the last couple of games. So I think uh, maybe Kevin De- Shevel-Dayoff made a good trade for himself there. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say right now. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it was I thought it was a – I don't know. I don't even know what to say about the trade because it could go either way still. That's fa- fairly fresh. But I do like Nik- Nikolai Ehlers. Sorry, I can't speak apparently, but he's like kind of been one of my favorite Jets for the for the last few years, and then he got in a fight the other night against Corey Perry, I think, in Montreal. So that was that was not uh, normally on his resume of doing things is getting into a tilt, but he did. So I I uh, have much more respect for that that guy. Not only that, he's super fun to watch uh, skating around, buzzing around in the ice. Totally. How are your stars doing? I uh, don't even ask. They just lost five rip to. Tampa Bay last night. They're fucking brutal, man. I don't know why. Like, I don't know how. I guess Sagan's not there, but, and they, they have a little bit of goalie issues, but they, like, yeah, I don't need to talk about it, but the one, the one day they, I think they lost to Florida, like, two or three nothing, and Hudobin had, like, 50 shots or something. Yeah. Like, they're just playing terrible, but whatever. That's another podcast episode. Can't win them all. No. <laughs> But yeah, turning our minds to the kind of the, the hockey aspect here and huge thanks to, to Matt coming on and episode 77, incidentally, that's uh, the old number there of Paul Coffey there. Any uh, any fan favorites out there for Paul Coffey? Or Ray Bork. Was he 78? I thought he was 78. No, I'm pretty sure he was 77 and he's a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> what? He no. is. No, he's yeah, you're right. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the good thing here is Matt's legit. 
Matt came on, showed us some love. Matt also showed Winnipeg, Edmonton, and a, a bunch of other uh, places around North America where he loves to hunt and fish some love. And we get to hear some kind of like secrets or like behind the scenes stuff of not just the NHL, but how to uh, how to get into the outdoors from like an NHLer's perspective. So I, I really appreciated that part of the podcast. It was uh, cool to hear Matt reflect on that making time uh, engaging and what what the outdoors means to him in such a busy lifestyle yeah that's right so without further ado hope you enjoy episode 77 we'll see you on the other side well uh welcome to the panoramic outdoors podcast matt Hendricks. pleasure to have you on hey guys thanks so much for having me uh excited to talk a little outdoors, a little hockey, a little whatever you guys want. Yeah, it's super cool. You know, I was going to do an awesome uh, – do you listen to Spit and Chicklets podcast at all? Um, I have, but I, I wouldn't say I listen to it a lot, no. Oh, yeah. They have like – they always do this intro, and I was like thinking, I'm like, how am I going to do this guy's intro? It's like 15-plus years in the NHL, you know, played for a few different teams, played in Winnipeg, drafted in the year 2000. So you you have a pretty long list of credentials when it comes to playing some professional hockey. I was so how we start? You guys are making me sound old. <laughs> I think we're right beside you in age, anyway. So that's all good. <laughs> yeah, with less NHL experience. Yeah. So how we so, start off our podcast normally is we uh, we start off with five burning questions, and what they are is we just kind of ask you kind of off the hip questions. You can answer them. There's no right or wrong answers. And uh, we kind of just do that for all our guests to get things going and to get kind of comfortable with the podcast atmosphere. Um, okay. So if you're ready to do those, let's let's shoot them let's off real it. quick. Tristan, yep. you're up. Matt, what are you reading right now or watching? Anything uh, you'd like to let the listeners know? The, I actually just started an audio book, um, Make Your Bed by uh, Admiral, oh, Admiral McRaven. Uh, retired Navy Navy SEAL, and uh, just the book I just finished was by David Goggins, who was also a Navy SEAL, called Can't Hurt Me. So I'm nice. kind of into that stuff when the hockey season starts because I'm in the car all the time, so driving and, and listening. Any any lessons or uh, any main takeaways from those uh, audiobooks? Well, I'm just starting Make Your Bed, but what I really liked about uh, David Goggins book can't hurt me is is kind of how he you know how he puts it how he breaks up um, motivation compared to being driven you know and he kind of basically explains motivation is it's kind of crap it ain't worth anything and that you want to be a very disciplined and driven individual and I really I agreed with him on that and you know when he said that at the, towards the beginning of his book it really kind of grabbed my attention I, I think that's the way to live your life. I mean, that's just my 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 gut, my opinion, taking it out of this guy's book, though. It, it made a ton of sense to me, and, and I like that, because I'm sure everybody has been motivated, you know, from time to time. And let's say you're going in the gym and you're working out, and it lasts about two weeks, and then it's done and over, and you don't hit the gym again until you're motivated. So being driven is different. Being driven is it's 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 a part of you. It, it kind of it, it, what pushes you to try and be not only the best, but the best you can be, the best you can be at 
at whatever it is you're doing. And, and I, you know, for me that, that hit home and I, I took a lot from it. My next question uh, for the five burning questions is if you had one last meal and you got to eat anything you wanted and you got to have a drink to wash it all down with, what would you, what would you choose? Oh man, I love food too, but I could be really simple or I could be a little more difficult, I guess. Um, Give them both. Yeah, off the hip, that would be, I would love like a big pepperoni pizza with probably some, maybe some rum and Coke. And then if it was going to be something fancy, it'd definitely be a ribeye from the Capitol Grill out in Washington, D.C. with a nice bottle of red. Nice. Yeah. I like, I like those answers. Those are perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, the next one up here, Matt, if you, if you had any heroes, who would they be? Oh, man, that's a really good question. You know, I looked up to a lot of people, um, but for me, it would be my parents. You know, the sacrifices that, that they gave for both my sister and I and raised us in a, in, a, in a really good family, a great environment, and gave us every opportunity to follow our dreams. So, you know, that's kind of what my wife and I are trying to do for our kids. So I, I would say my parents are my heroes. I think that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah I do too. I, I'm on the awesome. front end of my uh, my parenthood here, and uh, I can I can get the sense <laughs> that it is a thankless job at times. So I can. Oh, it is. I appreciate your nod to your folks there, uh, um, even if yeah. it, I'm sure they appreciate it too. So my tw- my boy girl twins are are nine years old now, third graders. And I never really thought of myself as a real selfish guy, but man, once you have kids, you realize just how selfish you are, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you plunge in there with twins too. There's no, uh, there's oh, no turning man. back. There is no breaking period. <laughs> <laughs> no water breaks. Uh, the, ne- the next question here, we've, uh, you know, you've played multiple years pro hockey, lots of years, basically saturated your life for a long time here. And I know, for one thing that I do know about hockey, that they have kind of, uh, uh, I don't know how you'd say it, but they really love giving out nicknames. So my question for you is, did you have a nickname while playing professional hockey? And only that, not only that, what was the best nickname you've heard? I've had a lot of nicknames. Um, The one that stuck with me, no matter where I seemed to go, I ended up playing with a guy that I knew from my time in either Colorado or Washington. And my nickname was Wagon, and I think it was just because I didn't, I was never really good at very much. I could just kind of do a lot of stuff, <laughs> kind of decently, I guess. So I don't know why where that nickname came from and how it really got started. I think it got started as, you know, the, the term wagon man kind of coined a guy that couldn't really do He's just a wagon. That's what he is. And that's kind of where my nickname came from, and it stuck. So I, think you I don't did. know. I still got my buddies that, that call me up, and I – I think when I played with Ovechkin in Washington for three years, I'm not sure if he ever really knew my whole name. So it was just, it was just wagging all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. I think you just described our podcast there, Matt. So maybe we have to look at some (laughs) rebranding here or something. Right. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And uh, so lastly, if if you didn't get your start in hockey, if you had to choose another career or uh, another career chose you in some sense, what, what do you think that would be? Oh, well, when I, when I got to college, um, hold on, I just got to make sure I know where I'm going here. Okay. So it's not taxi driver. We got that much. 
<laughs> no, not a taxi driver. Um, I think, uh, so when I went to college, um, I went into biology with, um, uh, with an emphasis in wildlife management and a lot of my buddies, teammates and stuff were like, well, what the hell are you doing that for? I mean, you got to be smart to do that. And I said, well, I don't know. I think if you work hard, you can do anything, right? <laughs> but my goal was to not be a conservation officer or DNR, but I wanted to work in the fisheries department, kind of on the science side of stuff, because I figured, well, you know, if you're doing that, you, you're not going to miss fishing opener, you know, driving around giving people tickets. You can be a part of fishing and hunting and, and just work in the laboratory. So that was kind of my goal. For college and then hockey kind of took off after that and still working on that degree even though i'm almost 40 but that's the way it goes <laughs> but no that was my dream well like uh, management sounds like there's still time and uh it uh sounds like you might be able to squeeze it in now even through distance learning the way the universities are are rolling these days yeah i took the i think i, I took a different path now i'm just gonna get <laughs> a general general studies degree or something they call it it's it'll get me there the fastest <laughs> oh that's that's cool so speaking about like uh you know doing doing everything from the ground up and going to college and all that stuff where did you find yourself connecting like with the outdoors was it way back when when you're younger and into college or when did you you know find that that passion to get to, if you didn't make hockey to get into the outdoors where did that all start well so my grandpa grew up in wisconsin outside of green bay and he was a big big fisherman a big musky guy actually so i i grew to love fishing through him he had a you know he had a small aluminum craft boat that we'd go out in and then anytime my dad would bring me out we'd go pan fishing from shore a lot or go down to the river and you know try catching catfish or bullhead or whatever we could get our hands on so i fell in love with it and then when i was about 12 or 13 we had a vote at home my dad stayed out of it, so the vote was between my younger sister and my mom and I of what we were going to get. We were either going to get a pool or a fishing boat, and obviously you guys know what my boat was, and we got a pool, so I didn't swim <laughs> in that pool for about two years just to show how stubborn I was. But that was kind of my love for it uh, initially, and then, you know, you, you start getting older, and, and I got I took a class in uh, my senior year. It was only allowed to seniors. It's called uh, Outdoor Adventures, ODA. It was, it was at the high school. And in that class, it was everything um, started out like kind of building your relationship with your classmates, you know, the trust falls, stuff like that, um, running around in the woods, finding leaves, yet, you, you know, scavenger hunt, stuff like that. And then it got into winter and I you had to do survival. So my dad and I built uh, a portable fish house. We built some rods. Um, trying to think what else and then we went outside we spent a day outside we built igloos and then uh, in the spring we were doing trap shooting and stuff like that so I kind of I kind of fell in love with that and then I went to St. Cloud and one of my best friends we were freshmen together Andy Lump um, was a big outdoorsman from Roseau Minnesota not far from you guys in Winnipeg and I just started spending you know all my off time when we had weekends off or breaks, we'd go up to Lake of the Woods and ice fish. And, and I'd start going to the Northwest Angle all the time in the summer because he was guiding out of there. And that's really where my, my love for fishing came from. And then hunting really wasn't big. I did a little bit of it in college, a little bit of bird hunting, a little bit of shotgun hunting for deer. And then 
when I got to Edmonton, um, my second season in Edmonton, I got hurt and ran, ended up kind of become, becoming friends with a really good guy. Ryan Kohler out there runs that wild TV television show. And he got me hooked into bow hunting, and I just fell in love with the bows zone and up in Alberta. And I've just been a bow guy now ever since. And it's a passion of mine. I, I really wish I was good at it, but I, I'm getting better every year. It's not easy, though. I think that's uh, most bow hunters. They're, uh, <laughs> they wish they were good at it, but getting better, hopefully. Yeah. And I get, I, this year I was really selective and, I had a chance at one, but I was looking the wrong way in my stand. And by the time I readjusted and got my bow in my hand and was ready to shoot, it was a little too late. So, man, it was it was a bummer, but awesome experience, no no doubt. But you did you did harvest a deer with your bow one year, did you not? Yeah, I, I've harvested a few. Yep, I have. Um, nice. Not nothing to nothing to really brag about, but I think with bow hunting. You know, unless you're put into prime areas and territories where you're going to find those animals, anytime you can put something on your dinner plate, it, it's valuable. Yeah, for sure. And there, you said a couple key things there that came to my mind is that, number one, the one reason why we kind of gravitated to getting you on to um, and your social media is that you do kind of show a bit of your outdoor edge and, you know, that you're eating the meat and doing all that stuff. I think that's really, really cool. And the other thing, you know, like when it comes to archery hunting is you got to take a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort to, to you know, do scouting and, and do kind of your part to try to get to the, you know, to, to get the best chances. So it kind of leads to me to the next question is, uh, you know, how did you find time even just to get out onto the lakes and stuff while you're um, pursuing your NHL career? And even when you got into the NHL, like how did you find time to, to balance that all? Well, and you know what, Sheldon, you're, that's exactly what I'm learning right now, too, is the amount of time that I need to spend in the field and in the off seasons is just as important as the time I'm spending in a tree during hunting season. And I'm, you know, I, I read and I listen and and I'm really starting to realize that now instead of just thinking, oh, I'll, I'll wing it. That's kind of been my thing. If I could find time to sit in a tree for a few hours, I was going to do it. And in my time in Edmonton, um, my friends would help me to get me into areas where there, there was animals and get me in, a, in an area where there was a tree with, with some pegs in it. And I could just bring my, bring my uh, portable stand with me and set it up when I got there, stuff like that. But now I've got some friends south of the cities here in Minnesota that are really kind of taking the time and helping me with that, too, and teaching me how to scout, teaching me the best ways to hang a stand and, and where to put a stand and understand you know the topography of the land and where these animals are bedding and where they're going to feed and water and you know it's a for me that's that's it's extremely exciting but a lot of work and I don't think you just pick it up like that maybe there's some some hunters out there that just kind of get it right away but I'm, I'm definitely not one of them yeah for sure and like that's even same with me and I'm sure Tristan too like when we were going through high school and stuff like that and playing sports and hockey and whatever it was like for for me like hockey was October until spring right so by the time I was done right. high school done playing AAA and all the other whatever else I was doing and I kind of got my my career into place and I found that time where I could actually spend it in the field I found this like whole new appreciation to to hunting to fishing to the outdoors which obviously leads to today right 
Oh, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I love about being in the woods. Like I can tell, you know, at the end of, at the end of the summer, if, if, if I haven't been doing much in the woods and I get out there, like my senses aren't right yet, you know, and it takes, it takes a couple of weeks, maybe of sitting out there and being out there before you start hearing all the small little sounds and you feeling the wind change on your face and all the things that, it, you know, you just didn't, I didn't pick up right away. And then all of a sudden your body kind of comes in tune with it again and you, you start noticing stuff. It's, it's amazing to be honest. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So then when you were playing, when you're playing hockey professionally, did you, did you find time to get outside? Did you find time to get out fishing or doing whatever you need to do? I would find time. Definitely. Um, you know, with, with two kids at home, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm very blessed. My wife is a saint and takes good care of all of us. Um, and, and she definitely sacrifices so I can have time, <clears throat> excuse me, find time to do that. But, uh, you know, my time in, in Winnipeg, my kids were starting kindergarten. So they, my family stayed back in Minnesota. And as hard as it was to leave them, you know, I, I really, I got to spend a ton of time you know, being out in the woods, shed hunting, I, you know, I'd bring Joel Armia and his fiance out looking for deer sheds in the spring. Big Buff and I would spend a lot of time on Lake Winnipeg ice fishing and a few of our other teammates. And, you know, I, 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 any time that I could get outside and away from the rink, I would, I would definitely try and take advantage. Matt, I, I've got a buff story and I'm going to tell, I'm not sure if I told it on this podcast before, but we actually gave buff a tug out on the lake one time and didn't realize it was bufflin at the time. And really, yeah. And he <laughs> was fuming mad. I remember him saying that he told these guys not to drive. I think he was out with some, some of the other jets. And he's, he, I told these guys not to drive this way and they sunk his truck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It, it's really cool as like a, a local guy to hear that, uh, you know, some of the the pro athletes are enjoying the resources like Lake Winnipeg and uh, f- finding time to get outside and get a little R&R in that way. For sure, Tristan. You know what? That's my biggest bummer this year with the COVID is I can't make my march run up to the big lake and I'm – I'm I'm really upset about that. I got a little Polaris now, some tracks on it. And I had it up there last year, and it was awesome. Trying to chase around, you know, the Bruins outfitters and those guys, and see if I could sneak up on some of their fish. But <laughs> it was it, it was uh, it was so much. I just love I just love being out there. It's like being on the moon. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's like another planet, and it can the weather can change in a snap. Did you did you hook yeah. it? hooking into masters while you're up here any big uh no, green, I, I never got anything i think my biggest winnipeg fish is a 26 i think yeah that's a good fish 26 inch it's a good fish but i got I a couple friends that live up in the area now in st adolphi and they're sending me some 29s and i mean i'm things are as fat as my look size of my leg and i'm pretty upset about it <laughs> <laughs> so oh. So you you've you've had a chance to kind of travel both the the states and Canada here playing hockey, and I'm wondering, yeah. like, did you have some favorite spots to to partake in the outdoors while you had all these kind of travel experiences? No, for sure, you know. And to be honest with you, one of my favorite spots, 
started when I was uh, when I was just fresh out of college. I, I got to spend 50. I played 50 games and, and then was down for playoffs. So I was injured, but I, I was down in Fort Myers, Florida. And the amount of awesome fishing they have down there was incredible. And, and we had a couple of guys that would bring us out in their boats. And we'd go fishing for black tip shark and tarpon and snook and redfish and jackfish. But you could get into some of these brackish water ponds and, and canals. And, I, I mean, you're hooking into largemouth bass that are, you know, 15, 16-pound fish that, I mean – you've never seen anything like in your life other than on television. So that was, that was really a, a fun time for me. And when you're fishing those ponds and canals, like when you're in the East, when you're an East coast hockey league player as a rookie, you don't make very much money. So you don't have, you don't have the ability to go out and, and spend any money on any type of water transportation or guide services or heck you could hardly even buy a tackle box and fill it up. So <laughs> it was great. You get you know, we'd go out and we had a cheap little bait net and we'd, we'd try and catch, we'd try and net our own bait. And then we'd kind of wade out there in the water and see gators around and snakes. And it's kind of weird at first. And then you get the hang of it and you're, you're hooking into fish and it hardly costs you anything. So it was, I was, it, I'll never forget that. And then moving on, um, I did saw a little bit of uh, striper fishing in the Chesapeake when I, in my time in Washington, D.C. Not enough to really talk about in terms of great experiences. Um, and then I really, like I said, I got into bull hunting really, really hot and heavy. I had a couple injuries in Edmonton. And, you know, I just what I fell in love with was just going and shooting at the range. Even I'd throw my bull in the pickup truck and I'd leave practice and I'd go to the range and you know, spend an hour until the kids were done to come out of, out of their uh, preschools and stuff and just hanging out at the range and trying to get better that way. And then, you know, I got three and a half years in Edmonton and then, you know, my year and a little bit in Winnipeg was a lot of the same, same enjoyment. Matt, can you clarify for me what happens? And so it sounds like you were on injured reserve. Does that mean that the time you spend with the team is not as intensive? Is that what's happening there? It depends on what you're going through. Um, so for me, like when you're, you'd be in, let's say you're injured with like a groin injury or something where you're on the stationary bike and, and depending on the muscle injury or what, depending on what's injured, their trainer, the, the strength coaches are, are tr working you out hard. Like you're, you're not going in there and just sipping on hot chocolates and hanging out in the whirlpool and stuff. You're, you're grinding and, and they get to be long days too. And as long as it, you know, a lot of times, a lot of injuries in hockey are, you just can't skate, you know, that skating motion, whether it's a groin or hip flexor or, you know, a foot injury from blocking a shot, stuff like that, that keeps you off the ice, but they're, they're working your heart out, you know, in the gym and, and on the, on the bikes and stuff. So to get out and walk around in the woods or be on a boat and fish or sit in a chair and ice fish, nobody had a problem with that at all. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And that kind of brings me to the kind of circling back to, but kind of brings me to the question is, you know, you played on a lot of professional sports teams. Did you ever run into that guy where you had that connection with the outdoors or like some guy was like, Hey man, let's go fishing. Or it kind of, you're kind of surprised that they, they actually like being outside and going fishing or doing whatever. Right. Well, I'm, um, I don't know how in tune you guys are, um, 
I think you pro- you might know this name, Eric Griba. He's out of Saskatchewan, but he's kind of got his grilling with Griba stuff going yeah. now. He does a lot of outdoor. You guys know that name? Yeah, so, he was he, he was actually we had him scheduled for the podcast uh, last year and uh, just schedule conflicts and we just never got it done. So hopefully we'll get him. Oh, on this okay, year. for yeah. sure. So Grives and I were teammates in uh, in Edmonton. So that was, I mean, we were always always talking and scheming and trying to figure out, you know, we're going to Dallas. We got a couple off days in Dallas. I think we should try to get out and do some fishing or go on a hog hunt or something like that. And then uh, one one season we were down. We had a we had a day off in uh, in San Jose and Owen Nolan brought Grives and I out largemouth fishing down there. So that was really really cool. And then uh, in Winnipeg. You know, Big Buff and I, we just hit it off right away with all this kind of stuff. And we would talk hunting and fishing all day long. And sometimes people look at us kind of cross-eyed. But, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, some of the younger guys that maybe weren't into it, weren't big into it, started, you know, getting out and doing it. Like, Hellebuck loves it now. He's, he's a fisherman and loves fishing in the summer, loves fishing in the winter. Kyle Connor, another kid that just loves being outside and fishing. So, you know, it, for me, it was it was great. It was like when it, like I said, like Winnipeg's so close for us. Pop up there on a day off and have a nice morning sit and afternoon, and then come back in the evening. It couldn't be much better. Yeah, no kidding. I actually our good buddy Josh. He's been on the podcast a few times. He's uh from Winnipeg. He's like a local kind of chef, outdoor chef and outdoors guy, and he actually was the one that took out uh, Hellebuck and Connor last year in the Snow Bears, and they made a quick video for, for one of the companies that, that runs a Snow Bear company. So, oh, um, so cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so then, like, cool. kind of, like, stemming off of that question, um, you know, you, you spend all this time. It's, a, like, kind of re- relating back to your NHL time again, but you spend that time at the NHL levels and a really busy life. Um, I asked the same question to to Jordan two 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 two, and yeah. uh, he he kind of just said, you know, like when you get outside, it was just a break for him. Uh, do you did you find any of that like going on throughout your career when you could get out to those spots? It was just kind of a break from everything else. Oh, totally. Any any time you could do it, like you know, take hunting and fishing out, and you know, in, in Edmonton we lived right by the river valley there, and. And we'd get out and do family walks, family hikes down in the valley. And just to kind of regroup, refresh, kind of a reset in your mind. And you just feel better. You feel healthy. You feel kind of invigorated and energized. You know, it was the same for hunting. Like some people that aren't into it, and I, I totally get it. Their, their thing is so boring. You just sit there all day. Yeah, but for me that, you know, other guys like playing their video games and sitting at home on the couch watching Netflix and, you know, hanging out on the, talking on the phone or FaceTime. And that for me, I mean, my, I love just being outside and being quiet and trying to hone in on crafts and what's this fish going to do? Why won't this fish bite? What do I got to do? Where's this big buck at that's been hiding from me for seven years now? <laughs> you know, all that stuff like that, that gets me going and gets me excited. And I really love it. And you know, the next day, my teammates are going to notice. Hey, you must have went hunting yesterday. You're in a great mood. Like, yeah, for sure. It does that for me. And they'd really know if I got a little sunburn. That happened once in a while, too, if we were down south. 
Well, and I think that's where you got to be careful because I know when we were ice fishing up here in March, you could probably, that that's playoff season almost for you guys, and you'd be showing up to practice maybe with the sunglass tan and uh, a little wind burned on the face if you <laughs> if you yeah. said you were just. You know, you're right. You're right. You got to be careful. But no, like in that organization, that team, they, you know, they have, they had no problem as long as you're smart and safe and you weren't doing anything silly. You know, they, they, they enjoy when you, when you, when you have a good time with your teammates and, and you get out and you kind of, like I said, energize yourself and, and focus, you'll be focused the next day and ready to go. Matt, we've shared our experiences and our, our fair share of, uh, lessons learned on the podcast before i'm wondering if with all your time spent outdoors here if there's anything that sticks out in your mind that as a real learning experience we'll call it um but uh, anything that comes to mind on that uh, i got i i've got a lot i've got a bunch of stuff um <laughs> i was first time uh, out on out of, or one of my first times on lake winnipeg i went with a local guy and his name's rob Park, rob karpiak uh, he's up in Winnipeg and he brought me, he got us an ice bear one day and he brought us out and, you know, I had this, you know, brand new rod locker I got from what's it, Lake of the Woods Outfitters up there, is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. So I, I got this nice clam uh, rod locker and I got my rods in it. They're all you know, dialed in. I got, you know, you can loosen up that little knob so you can put the handle together and so it fits in there real nice. Well, I open up this rod locker inside the snow bear and that handle fell off and dropped right down, right down the hole. So I, that, that reel no longer worked. Um, I, I used to, you know, on my bowstring when I'd lower it down, I used to just tie it on with my cam. And my buddy always told me you should be using a carabiner; it's easier and safer. You're not tying a knot. Or I was like, what? What is this guy knowing? About two weeks after he told me, I dropped my bow out of the tree and fell off the string and busted it all up in the middle of hunting season so that was a that was a nightmare oh man there's so many countless things that have happened with a good friend of mine zach bogosian now he plays for the maple leafs and him and i do a lot of fishing in the summer together and we always seem to leave rods on the ground and step on them and break them things like that but you know i guess for the for the average guy hunting fishing be prepared for anything i guess that would probably be my yeah. My two cents is, you know, if you could prepare yourself to, you know, a week before, if you're going on a trip somewhere, have an idea what the weather's going to be like, call guides and see if you can get an idea of what, you know, what the bait, what bait's running around up there, what's working, what's not. Prepare yourself for anything. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, well, dropping the, the bow out of the stand isn't maybe the the worst failure that i've experienced outside it sure leaves you feeling silly when you're sitting up in the stand with no weapon and you're looking down at it on the ground yeah, you're exactly right <laughs> especially when your buddy you hunt with him all the time and he's like when are you coming back you keep playing it off like oh, i'm busy i can't make it because you're waiting for that stupid thing to get fixed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you mentioned uh, Zach Bogosian there, uh, and he he moved over to the Leafs. It was good to see him. He's having a bit of a well, he's having a great season right now. So it was kind of nice to see him, a former Winnipeg Jet, move over and uh, start doing well for himself in uh, Toronto. There. Oh, absolutely. Zach and his family—they're just tremendous. Uh, I'm so happy for him last year getting on with Tampa, and you know, being a key component with their team and winning the Stanley Cup, and 
Yeah, I'm happy, really, really happy for him. And him and I have a very, very good relationship. And a lot of it, you know, kind of stems around being out on the boat in the summer and fishing together. Yeah, I think a lot of folks in uh, Winnipeg uh, resonated with uh, Bogosian and uh, also guys like yourself there, Matt, you know, like really salt of the earth kind of guys who just like to be outside and uh, and and enjoy their time here. So I think that means a lot to Winnipeggers and uh, I think just a lot to the Canadian teams in general. Well, yeah, I just felt my time in Winnipeg, like I just, it was just a great fit. I fit in with the people there and it's a hardworking community and, and very passionate fan base. And, you know, I, I loved it. I loved my time there. I played on some very, very good hockey teams. And unfortunately during my, my stint, we never won the cup, but the aspirations and dreams are still high for everybody else in that locker room. And, you know, they're, they're pushing hard for it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And so now you're, uh, You've retired from the from the game, playing on the ice, but you're still involved with the NHL uh, with with Minnesota Wild, are you not? Yep. So I I work in player development with Minnesota. So basically, in a nutshell, I I really help take care and keep my keep keep kind of the pulse of our prospects. Um, Brad Bombardier is our director of player development, and I'm underneath him as the assistant. So we you know we travel around. This year has been a, obviously a little bit different, but we, you know, last season I tr- we travel around all over North America and Europe, seeing our prospects. That's players that we've drafted that are either playing junior up in Canada or playing uh, college in the U.S. or some of you know are playing in Sweden or Finland and Russia. So I'll travel around and see them and really just you know kind of be a manager in the sense, kind of a contact for them and the organization keep them close and, and, and help them any way that we can that, you know, so they can, they can reach their expectations and all and their dreams of, of one day playing in the, in the NHL and putting on that sweater. Oh yeah. So does that like, is there like a lot of like one-on-one conversations? Like I just would think, and this is just me thinking is just like these new prospects coming up um, might not have like the same connections and, you know, um, like the thought process and stuff is some of like, the veteran guys from years ago, like they, they almost like don't know how the national league is. Like, do you do a lot of one-on-one talking to like influence and, you know, grow confidence in them? Like these are young kids coming through the ranks. Um, it, it must be just a totally different game from when you came through. Well, absolutely. And, and the development process is a lot, is different now. It seems to have, the game has changed a bit in terms of the rules and the clutching and the grabbing and the speed that, the development process now is kind of sped up. You're seeing a lot more younger players playing earlier and making the NH, their deb, NHL debuts a lot earlier. Um, and what I think that I've really grown to like about my new job is, to be honest with you guys, it's not a lot different than my last few years as a player. You know, I was getting long in the tooth. Injuries were starting to really wear me down. And, and I became a guy that, you know, I, I talked to the young guys all the time. I really kind of the way I felt and what I pushed is that they had to be an important voice in the room, no matter what their age was, no matter what their experience level was, because I felt if they, if they, if they're feeling like they're a big part of the group, they're going to have their best seasons. And for our team to do its best, you relied on everybody to be their best. So, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm not putting on the skates and playing anymore. 
but that's, you know, that, that's the message that I'm trying to give out to these young guys is, is you're valuable. What you feel, what you believe is valuable. And I want you to play your best right now. And it's going to help you develop quicker and faster. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. And that's like, like kind of, I'm trying to put one and two together here, but one of the things that why we started Panoramic Outdoors and started the podcast, uh, a lot of people we find like in their, you know, like we kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast too, is that a lot of people in their 20s, 30s are getting out of their um, schooling and getting into real life where they can you, they can experience the outdoors and they just need an avenue, sorry, an avenue to get there. Um, and that's kind of like, kind of what I'm thinking about, like how your job works is you try to, you know, create just a, a an open door for, for anybody coming into the league or coming into your team or doing whatever to, to have someone to talk to. So that's pretty remarkable. It sounds like a pretty sweet job. Yeah, Sheldon, it is great. And, you know, at the beginning it was, it was tough. The kids didn't know me. I didn't know the kids and you're coming in and you're trying to build a relationship with them. But once, once you build that trust and, and they, your phones, my phone would start ringing and they'd be calling me instead of, you know, always the vice versa. And yeah. it's a really, really cool thing. And I'm just excited for these kids and, and I'm excited for them to play in the NHL. That'll, that'll be an outstanding experience for me. Does does fishing or hunting now play into the the kind of uh, training regiment or maybe uh, some of the uh, <laughs> are are you are you passing that along to any of the, the athletes? Well, you know, we always we have uh, what they call development camp every summer after the draft, and I'm always trying to finagle a fishing tournament or something in, but it's kind of a time crunch thing, so it never seems to get put on the agenda. But maybe someday. <laughs> But no, there are some, there are some, uh, there are some guys that are into it, you know, and some prospects that are into it, and we talk about it. You know, a kid might get a big one in the summer and send me a picture. Or, you know, it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, we don't want to take up too much of your time, and I got a couple more kind of maybe quick questions for you, Tristan. I don't know if you've asked everything you want. I'm sure we could, if you ever want to come back on the podcast, we got to have you back on because we have lots more to probably talk about. Um, I'm more than happy. <laughs> but uh what do you what's your future looking like now like uh, now that you do have maybe a little bit more time to get in the fields are you uh gonna work on your scouting game or you got some fishing trips lined up i know covid's kind of been uh, restricting a lot of people but do you got anything coming up this uh this year for for any outdoor stuff yep so down like i was telling you south of the cities there where, I, where i've been spending a lot of my time in tree stands we uh, are, we're trying to find some time. We're actually been talking about it now, maybe next week and getting out. You know, I know some sheds have been dropping up north where you guys are. I'm, I haven't heard a lot down by me yet. So start getting out and just walking trails. You know, I, my buddy, uh, Rob Karpiak, is a pretty darn good hunter, up, deer hunter up in Winnipeg. And he's always giving me tips. And he's kind of teaching me how to, how to map, you know, map a plot of land and figure out where the deer are coming and going from and, kind of scouting that way, trying to get cameras up and, and, and ideas of where I want to put a stand for next fall. So I, I'm looking forward to getting out and doing that now that, you know, hopefully this warmer weather sticks around. Last week would have been a little tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What, like, that's the one thing that I kind of always, it always like, I'm like a 50-50 guy. Like I want to go shed hunting this weekend, for instance, but I'm yeah. like scared. I'm almost scared to like be pushing deer out of the area just because we were just, just ended a cold snap. And I, I understand they're probably like, 
you know, hungry or whatever, cold, etc. So I have this like soft side of me. It's like, I don't want to go trampling in a bush, but I think I'm, I'm going to have to do you. some. I'm with you there too. I'm yeah. With, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. It's, especially the harsh winters, you guys get up in Winnipeg and, you know, you don't want to be too hard on those animals because, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of predators there too. And the more tired and weary they are, you don't want, you don't want to see that big buck laying on the ground in the summer. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't want to be too hard on myself. Never mind. It's cold out there right now. We just we, <laughs> <laughs> we just got through like a minus thirty snap for two weeks. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure you don't miss that. Mind you, you're in Minnesota. No, so. I don't. But, I know it, but I don't have that wind like you guys do on Portage and Maine. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Whose whose design job was that for sure? Oh my goodness, Matt. I need you to finish this sentence for me. Scouting hockey yep. players is like scouting deer because. Ooh, always looking for the diamond in the rut. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, so you, you got deer on the on the radar here. A little bit more expanded whitetail white uh, focus. Are you are you dipping back into waterfowl at all, or is that kind of? I haven't, but I've got some neighbors like literally right in my neighborhood that are avid, avid waterfall duck guys, couple geese guys. Obviously all of them are into pheasants and stuff. So I've been invited on some of those trips now that, that we've become closer now that I'm not playing hockey and I'm around the neighborhood more, but with the COVID, I just, I couldn't make those trips work for me this year because I can't really be around big parties due to the protocols with hockey and being around the team and players and, can't be can't try to stay away from covid so i'm not spreading it i guess is the best way of putting it but i i would definitely like to get back into it and 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 become a and become a duck guy for sure <laughs> it's funny because uh, i've already invited you up if you ever have time to come up to do some catfishing but if you ever have time uh in the fall you you definitely need to check out the uh, now that you do might have some extra time is check out the the waterfowling experience in Manitoba, like we got the Delta Marsh, which is um, world renowned, and pretty sure we could probably put something together if you're ever up this way. Um, oh, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I got another I quick question to. before we let you go, and yep. I'm just wondering if anybody has patented the word paralyzer or paralyzed <laughs> as for your, from your shootout move. Oh, I don't think so. But they tried to make some T-shirts one year when I was in Washington, and I was. I was totally against it. It was like a bad omen. <laughs> I knew if they made started making too big of a deal out of it, that it wouldn't work anymore. And eventually it didn't. But I do have to say I had nothing to do with the name. So that was all the radio guys in DC. Oh, that was great. I was, I was just kind of going through some of the YouTube videos that I found and they, somebody put together a highlight clip of uh, your shootouts. And I was just like, man, that's such a good move. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> easy. <laughs> well, I, I, those years when I was scoring on the shootout, I was definitely scoring more goals in the shootout than I was in five on five play. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, good memories though. That's for sure. My son can't believe I could do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, well, Matt, um, you know, kind of at the end of the podcast, we kind of do a quick round table. I'm going to leave this one up to Tristan and then, uh, whatever you would want to say, but, um, that's kind of how we wrap up the podcast. So Tristan, uh, you're up. 
Yeah, super, super. You know, I was really excited leading into this one, uh, Matt. I, I had a ton of fun watching you play while you were here in Winnipeg and even, like, following you after, too. And uh, I, I remember, too, gritting my teeth a few times when you were with the Oilers uh, and maybe <laughs> maybe doing a little harm to our guys. But uh, um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about the outdoors. It's it's always exciting to meet someone who is uh, shares our passion. And uh, I, I can't wait to connect with you again, buddy. Absolutely. And for me... Um, thanks for having me on guys. This is, this is a fun experience and to sit and sit around and, and talk hunting and fishing and the outdoors, talk hockey, um, for the people in Winnipeg. And, you know, for me, it started there with the jets, you know, just a tremendous organization treated me, my family, just outstanding. The guys in the room, miss them, miss playing with them. And it's a special, special group there. And, and it just goes out to all the fans and, and, and the jet supporters there. And, and then obviously the hunting and fishing, Lake Winnipeg, and the, all those great memories too. So thanks for everything to the city of, of Winnipeg. I enjoyed my time here. Oh, that was well said, man. But yeah, Matt, same thing for me. Like, I'm just going to echo Tristan. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, we got a hold of, of Matt, and uh, it wasn't too long before he got something scheduled up right quick. So Thank you very much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. I know we all appreciate it here at Panoramic. And uh, like Tristan said, well, hopefully we'll have you on here here uh, in the future. You got it, guys. Anytime. Well, there you go. There you have it. There's Matt Hendricks, episode number 77. Man, I'm still still smiling over here thinking about that podcast episode and how, how great it was just to touch base with him and talk a little, little hockey and a little bit of the outdoors, two of my favorite things. I just like to do mention too to everybody that's listening that uh, we are still doing this thing uh, remotely, so we do have some audio issues. So thank you for bearing with us. We understand that you know some parts might be a little touch and go at times, but uh, tuning in every every uh, couple weeks to our new episodes is a really huge deal for us. We really thank you a lot. And if you ever want to do just a little bit more for us, you can go and give us a rating on iTunes, on Spotify, or anywhere you're listening to the podcast. You can leave a comment and even. Uh, even if you want, give us a DM on our social media. It's Panoramic Outdoors, both on Facebook and Instagram. But, uh, Chase, you got something else kind of cooking up on the old interweb on our website. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, the other thing I want to add to your statement there, Shelly, is just tell the folks, the good folks that are listening here, make sure you give this a share, too, if you like it, love it. Share it, help us grow. And um, we are now launching a newsletter through email so make sure you sign up for that check out our website and uh check out our our link tree for uh that is the the link that you click in our instagram profile and on our facebook profile click that link and you can sign up for a newsletter to stay up to date with all our latest stuff all our latest sales for a gear and uh the latest podcasts and any any other content that we're pumping out yeah, for sure. And then the other thing I, I do want to mention, too, is Tristan's been working pretty hard on his on his blog. Uh, Hack's actually got one entry. Tristan's got a few entries about his puppy, Willie. And anybody else that like likes to do some writing and don't, don't have a platform to put it on uh, whatever, on the Internet, or you don't have a platform for people to read it, submit it to us. We'll take a look, look over on it, we'll, and we could put it up on the website and share your link to it or do whatever we need to do to get you a little bit of exposure. Uh, Tristan, do you have anything else before we sign off? Nope. Uh, just watching uh, or looking forward to watching a little curling here as the, the Scotties close out. And we've got a uh, Manitoba rink 
curling in the the championship rounds will carry Arneson from uh, Gimli throwing rocks and uh, good luck to them right on Chasey that's all you got for tonight that's it that's all for me man good luck uh, for everyone hitting ice here in the next few days stay safe out there yeah thanks for listening everyone make sure you salt your steps so the mailman doesn't slip <laughs>